We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven. I'm back from the cruise. Uh, unfortunately, I had to watch the last two games uh, from the Chargers. Uh, you know, Chargers coming up short again tonight on uh, Sunday Night Football, 20-10 to the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, we'll dive into everything that happened tonight and everything that it means going forward. Um, joining me to do that is my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How you doing? Uh, can I go on a cruise next? Can I skip this? <laughs> yeah, go for it. <laughs> All right, see you guys. <laughs> oh man, uh, I knew once the the thing came around that Jason Garrett was calling the game that this was going to be a shit show, and uh, that's <laughs> what it turned out to be. Um, you know, uh, for a little bit there, you know, I had a little bit of hope that the Chargers would be able to maybe get a win tonight in this kind of game. Maybe this is going to be a, a you know, a stereotypical Justin Herbert performance and the Chargers were going to get, you know, a big time win. Uh, and then Justin Herbert gets hit out of bounds. It doesn't get called. They call the penalty on Jamari Sawyer instead. And that really set the tone for the rest of the night. Everything just kind of felt like the offense was unable to get into a rhythm after that first drive. Um, you get the three turnovers. I'm not really counting the interception because that was a Hail Mary. I don't think that should count. Um, an Austin Eckler fumble, a Keenan Allen fumble, a Justin Herbert strip sack. It just felt like the story of the night, 
as much as people are going to want it to be about the head coach and the defense, it just felt like the offense was never able to get into a rhythm. It felt like the only thing that really was working has been the only thing that has been working, which is Keenan Allen. Um, and he was mostly fantastic tonight outside of the, the fumble, but um, that was it. That was the whole offense was Keenan Allen. Where is he? Where's he at? He even had the, the throwback to Austin Eckler, which is a really cool design for the first down. But um, outside of that, man, it's just, it's same old, same old for this Chargers team. It felt like we have seen this story against the Cowboys, against the Chiefs. Uh, when the defense plays well, the offense struggles. When the offense plays well, the defense struggles. There's just no consistency. And tonight, the offense really, really struggled to get anything going. And uh, it, the Baltimore Ravens are a great defense. They're arguably the best team in the AFC. But it just, it just felt like they were, uh, you know, they were dead out. They were fish out of water basically after the, that first drive, pretty much, in my opinion. Yeah, I guess thankfully. The refs weren't great for either team, so I, I can't just look at that one yeah. incident and go, well, that's where it happened. No, one, that's not why the Chargers lost, and two, it was pretty rough for both sides, so that's not a discussion, thankfully, although it was very frustrating, and I don't understand that whole sequence, and that really did kind of change uh, the game, at least initially. I was hoping it would, you know, that that fight, you know, Jamar getting penalized, that hit would galvanize the team in the same way that it did when the Chargers played the Raiders in week yeah. four when Jerry Tillery hit him out of bounds, but I guess Jerry Tillery inspires a different kind of emotion or something and kind of scoring drive, but it's tough, man, because you hate to see the offense not put up points. You hate to see the offense struggle, but it's so difficult to figure out what the heck this offense wanted to do or how it wanted to express itself or what their plans were. If you have three drives that end in turnovers and you know, you have another drive where I can't remember which one this was, but you know, Herbert's trying to ex- I think it was the Eckler fumble. You know, but Herbert's trying to execute a two-minute drill, but the defense has burned two timeouts already because of they can't substitute correctly. And so Herbert's having to rush things, they're having to rush things, and there's a fumble there. It's just tough, man. The the the, the defense finally. And I, I feel bad. I feel bad. Like this is the primetime game. You know, this is the game that gets them to four and seven. This is, you know, everyone's going to be talking about the head coach, but I feel bad because they're the defense, his unit was not the reason that they lost. Although I do appreciate the Ravens getting away from what I thought they were doing very well at in the first half and what the Packers and Lions were doing well against the Chargers, but a whole different thing. Just frustrating. You know, it, it's it's never it, it's the same thing for Chargers fans. Spin the wheel. Pick the thing, the reason that they lost, and it's just something. You know, Sometimes it is a new thing, but it tends to hover around the same you know, six things. And not everything clicks in place. There's always a couple of pieces missing to the puzzle every single week, every single loss. So you know, either way you spin it, look at this game, look at the whole season, look at after the bye, before the bye, whatever. It's just always something different. And it's frustrating to see that this offense, you know, again, it's very tough to tell what they were trying to do when you keep fumbling it in the first play yeah. or the first play of a drive where you finally get a successful drive and you fumble it. Like very tough to tell what they wanted to do, but it stinks that Kellen Moore has created an all pro receiver in Keenan Allen basically. And they've worked so well together and then nothing after that seems to exist in any kind of intentional way. And again, but then again though, it is tough to express your idea 
when obviously Mike Williams goes down, Josh Palmer's been out, then Quentin Johnson, granted, I don't think they had any real plan for him, but he misses the second half. So now you're trying to throw to Alex Erickson and Herbert and him were off, you know, on the different page on a couple of throws tonight. So it's just, I don't know, man, frustrating. They're four and seven and that's the season, man. Yeah. Uh, as it currently stands, Chargers have a top 10 pick. Um, this is trending towards uh, I'm going to stop watching Chargers film and start watching draft prospect film in, mm-hmm. in, in a minute here, um, which sucks. I, I, I don't like doing that. I, I enjoy watching Chargers film and watching and seeing who's shining in moments that maybe are our darkest. But um, it's just it's again, it, it's just the, the signs of a bad football team. And we need to be real about where this team is at. Um, you can blame injuries, you can blame coaching, whatever the case may be. They're four and seven, and they have yet to find a consistent thing that they can rely on outside of like the same key players outside of Herbert, Keenan Allen, Khalil Mack, and Tuli Tuipulotu, and the occasional Ohi Gilman turnover. They don't have guys that they can rely on. I thought that Dean Marlowe has been playing, playing well, and then they bench him for Jalen Hawkins. You know, Isang Bassi comes in, who is off of, you know, he was signed off of the street a few weeks ago. You know, the these personnel changes aren't really changing anything that when you're just running the same kind of stuff. You know, the 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 Ravens are gonna sit there and RPO you to death if Dean Leonard's sitting 10 yards off the ball. And that doesn't matter if it's Michael Davis, it's JC Jackson, if it's Casey Hayward, like you name the corner. If you're 10 yards off the ball, a team like the Ravens is just going to slant you and slant you and slant you, and they're going to move the ball at will. So it's just the same issues. They're like, Mm -hmm. you could tell they were trying to do certain things um, differently, but it just, it it just didn't matter, you know? And Kellen Moore, like you mentioned, uh, Jason Garrett mentioned that Kellen wanted to run the football early and often and be able to try and keep the, the Ravens pass rush at bay. Well, then you start fumbling, you get behind, and the run game's not working, so you have to make some adjustments. And that's been the whole offensive game script for the entire season. You know, they're they're trying to get Prime Moss and Eckler back, and and it's just not working. You know, and so you have to pivot into uh, let's throw the football as much as we can. Let's go into empty. Let's do this. Let's do that. And it's just not working. So the Chargers are four and seven. I assume they'll be able to beat a very, very bad Patriots team next week, but you know that I—that's just—it's not going to do any for the, anything for this team. Like the, like I think they're technically speaking, their playoff odds today are like five percent after losing this game. They're last in the AFC West. They're four and seven. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we're at November twenty-sixth, and the season is effectively over. Yeah, I think we talked about it really being over in October, but still mathematically, you got to get there. I think it's an 8% chance, at least that's how Sumer Sports has it. I think um, New York Times had it like 7.5% if they lost. So sure, there's uh, under 10% chance that they could make it. But sure. no, this this is, I mean, Denver's playing like they're playing. The Ravens yeah. seem, not the Ravens, the Raiders seem, you know, excited and they're trying. So there's that. Um Someone pointed out in the chat, so I guess I'll bring it up. Uh, Brandon Silly said it was a coaching staff decision to bench Quentin Johnston, not medical staff. So Quentin Johnston was benched. Um, cool, cool, I, I don't know what happened because he was obviously hurt on the play. And then he was in the medical tent and he left when Justin Herbert went in. Uh, so I, I don't know what 
there is, but yeah, Quentin Johnston on a night where they did not have wide receiver two or three and Jalen Guyton and Gerald Everett were questionable heading into the game. They had a coaching staff decision to bench Quentin Johnston in favor of, I'm assuming Alex Erickson, who was off tonight and on the same page as Justin Herbert, understandably so because he just got here. But uh, yeah, that is, that's a pretty rough look for, for Quentin Johnson there to be benched in a game where you're missing two and a half receivers. Uh, that is, that's a, uh, that's a frustrating link. I, I have preached patience for Quentin Johnston this entire season, mm-hmm. but if you can't play him over Alex Erickson, like that's, that's wow. That I have, I have no words. And on the same night that Zay Flowers scores two touchdowns, Mm-hmm. And essentially ends the game. Wow, that's 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 tough, man. Uh, that I'm speechless right now. There, look for for all the issues that were Quinta Johnson's coming out of college. It's not like there weren't issues for the other receivers that were taken in the second round, or the third round, or the fourth round, or the fifth rounds. But they've all found a way to even just in their own way produce get something you know jalen hyatt today at 100 something yards and he everyone kind of ragged on him for being able to do only one thing well well he had 100 something yards today doing that one thing well i i don't understand what it is with with quinton johnson and their complete reluctance it it, it just felt like during camp i understand why he's not wide receiver three but it felt like during camp they did a lot to open things up for for him maybe not necessarily on screens and it just as soon as week one hit they just dialed everything back yeah i I, so there there is i hate to suggest it because we don't know but there is something going on on the practice field in meeting rooms or something that we are obviously missing well we're seeing some of the things on the field right the drops being a notable one but there there's there's something else there because when you're in, Alex Erickson's going to be out there in the second half in a must-win game against the Baltimore Ravens over you and Jalen Guyton, who was questionable heading into this game, and those guys are out there over you. Uh, it's as, that's, as, that's as bad as I can remember. Like The Chargers have had first-round picks who have not been good, who maybe have even been terrible. They were still out there, you know, whether by coach's decision or... Dean yeah. Spanos or Tom Tulaska, who you name it, right? These guys are out there. They can't find like no one wants to get Quentin Johnson involved around the field. It's it's baffling to me. Yeah, that's the thing with Quentin, man. Like certainly he's had some drops, but they've been using him as a primarily as a field stretcher, and that's not what he is. It's never been what he is. Uh, you know, I, I sit here and I, I generally watch almost every Chiefs game. Um, because I, I, you know they're always playing relevant games. I feel like, and you know, I look at the way that they are using Rasheed Rice, and to me, that's the way that Quentin Johnson should have been used from day one. You know, you watch him get screens, crossers, deep overs. Everything for him is yards after the catch. And I'm sitting here watching Quentin Johnston, and he's running comeback routes, and he's running go routes, and he's running deep posts, and like that's just not who he is. Like I, I, I don't 
understand the usage I never have. Again, there are certainly other issues here in terms of the drops and things like that. Um, you know, he, he, he could have caught, I think at least two passes tonight, but, um, you know, there was certainly a play where I thought could have been a pass interference, but uh, again, there are issues on the field. We don't know what's happening off the field. Um, you know, he, he was talking with Chris Rim and, you know, said that, you know, things were going to be different, that he felt like he was playing passive and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, like it, they're, they're far apart. Like he is not doing his part and the coaching staff is not doing their part either. Mm -hmm. Like if they were using him the way that he should be used and he were still struggling, I think that's a different kind of story. But at the end of the day, if they don't trust him and playing Alex Erickson over him is, is them telling everybody, we don't trust this guy in key moments. It's a bad look. No, no way around it. Quentin Johnston is going to have a very long off season. He's going to have to figure out how to um, make plays that can show that he is a reliable playmaker because if this is the rest of the rookie season, you know, his, his rookie season is essentially a, uh, you know, a non-factor, which is, is just, it's not necessarily a shock, but it is when there's no Mike Williams and no, and no Josh Palmer either. So, mm -hmm. um, Quentin's going to have to figure it out, man. He's going to have to bust his ass all off season long to be able to show that he can be a reliable playmaker in this league. Otherwise it's, it's going to, you know, he's going to get replaced pretty quick here. The chargers, Quentin Johnson, but many of the players, they got to figure out what the hell they want to be. If you're not Justin Herbert or Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen yeah. being a veteran, these young guys got to figure out how to step up and be an NFL player and legit, be an enforcer, get that first down, make that catch. You know, Gerald Everett, right? The other veteran guy. He's the guy who understands how to do that. Keenan on understands how to do that. A lot of these guys, these young guys just don't have it. And it just feels like the offense, it's a contagious thing where I don't know if they're just playing tight or scared or timid or at 80% because they're overthinking. But... You know, these are veteran guys who are doing this, but you know, Keenan's fumble, Eckler's fumble, the offensive line just brain farting at different situations, guys not making catches, Quentin Johnston getting benched and him not performing well. Like something's got to, they got to light a fire under these guys, man, because they're, they're, I don't believe the offense is the reason the Chargers have been knocked out of the postseason, essentially, but they have played their part significantly in many moments generally outside of you know justin herbert sits in his own little pocket dimension for the most part generally it's everybody else and they got to figure out how to galvanize themselves how to find some sort of fire in themselves to be what they are supposed to be you know zion johnson what is happening yeah. you know jamari Sawyer gets kind of a pass you know playing a lot of tackle last year switching sides you know playing between will clap trade pipkins not easy but what happened to Trey? What happened to Zion? What's going on with Quinton? It's just, I don't know, man. It's it's frustrating. I don't know what happened to some of these players, and I don't understand what's going on with, with Quinton Johnston. Yeah, there's some of the player issues are are explainable, right? Like Austin Eckler is a 30-year-old running back who is very clearly past his prime. Like, that's... I wish the Chargers would make the adjustment and, and like we've been talking about the need to give Joshua Kelly more touches all season long. 
And Austin Eckler, they're still treating him like this is 2021 Austin Eckler, and that's just not the case. Um, so that that's the explainable one. You know, the stuff with Zion and Jamari and Trey Pipkins in particular, like, I, I don't understand what it is. You know, uh, Duke Manning, whether I was asked about mm-hmm. it, and he said the whole unit has regressed. Like, it's not just yeah. one guy. And that's, you know, I felt like this group could have been a top top 10, top five unit in the league. And then Corey Lindsay gets injured. Zion is, is if anything, has taken a step back from last season. Trey Pipkins has taken probably a couple steps back from last season. And the thing is, is that Kellen Moore and this coaching staff have not adjusted to this reality of the offensive line and what they're struggling with. Their go-to stuff has always been, Let's get into empty. Let's give Justin the reads. Let's let's give him the answers and let's try and get the ball out quick. Well, if teams are going to double team Keenan Allen like they have been, like John Harbaugh <laughs> said at halftime, at halftime show, he's like, we're double teaming him and, and he's still getting open. Um, when that's happening, you have to make an adjustment. Max protect, run the football, um, screen game, whatever the case may be. You, you can't just keep doing the same old stuff. And that's what Kellen has done. You know, at the, the end of the game on the second to last drive, they get into an empty package and they keep Austin Eckler in on the right side. But then pressure comes off the left side and it's free rusher. And you look at the other side and Will Clapp and Jamari are blocking one person and, and Trey and, and Eckler are blocking one person. And it's a free rusher right away on fourth down. It was a great call, objectively, from, from uh, Mike McDonald. But Protection plans have been a massive issue for this team all season long, and especially in these key moments. It always feels like they get into a third and long situation late in games, and they can't even get the ball off. And for whatever you might think of Joe Lombardi and that crew, they were always able to to draw up a nice protection plan, and Justin Herbert was always able to get third and fourth downs off. Um, obviously, uh, some of that was to the detriment of the team because they were always in third and fourth downs. But this this coaching regime has not been able to figure out how to get these third and long situations off in clutch situations. It always feels like Justin is getting sacked, um, and tonight was no different. Yeah, I. It is the other side of the coin, right? Where we reminisce about the Shane Steichen days. We sometimes forget about the the hits that Herbert took and how many pressures there were. I feel like we're sort of seeing some of the same. I'll I'll be a different Keenan Allen usage, but. Yeah, the, the lack of any adjustment is a surprise. And this whole, the Austin Eckler first down run thing, drive starter thing in particular, needs to go. I get why you're trying to run on first down. Because you're trying to run on first down in the off chance that you throw an incompletion on second down or something happens on second down, so you don't end up in third and 10. But you're only getting to... Th- second and nine second and eight in most situations you know Eckler typically these days gets like one 13 yard run in there you know so it kind of changes and slightly inflates the total but it's it's you you cannot be looking at what's going on and the the what was it 13 mile an hour run to the outside uh against the Packers it was 13 miles per hour wasn't it I I was I didn't have internet the whole week. I don't know <laughs> if that's oh, true. That's oh, terrible. Oh, I thought you had. Uh, okay, yeah. So they had tracked Trey Pipkins as running faster, I believe, on that specific play than Eckler was on that one 
big run to the outside against the Packers. And I believe it was 13 miles per hour. Uh, it is just, it's no longer what it is, but he's no longer who he is uh, and who it, yeah. Everyone's saying it is 13 miles an hour. Jesus. I don't know. The, Kellen Moore. I, I like 50% of it, but the other 50% and worse, the regression among the offensive line and, and a blocking unit that should be much better than this is very concerning. And in my opinion, as much as continuity is important, and I will keep that in mind, I don't believe Kellen Moore has earned the right to be a head coaching candidate for any team this yeah. season based on this past the past few games that we've seen. I do believe there's a lot positive there. It is very tough to have your job, you know, be successful when you're missing so many players and your first rounder is getting benched for non-medical reasons. But at the same time, the adjustment for the rest of the roster has not been there. And you can't pitch yourself as a head coach off of Herbert throws it to Chargers all-time receiver Keenan Allen and it works really well. It's been yeah. working very well, but that's not enough. Yeah, I think with Kellen, like, you know, it, it, it can't be discounted that he was with Dak for so long. And like, there is an aspect of play calling where you you need to be able to have that kind of relationship with your quarterback and Kellen in year one just doesn't have that. And they've had so many other things go wrong, like losing Mike Williams, who was obviously a huge plan, a huge piece of the plan going into the season. You lose Josh Palmer, you know, you lose Corey Lindsley, like all of these other things. And I, I still think that Kellen Moore is a high end offensive coordinator, non head coach edition. Um, when you're talking about the, these player callers who are true offensive coordinators and not head coaches, I still think he is up there. But the bones of his offense are very sound, in my opinion. But it's it's very difficult for me to really trust him as like a head coaching candidate when there haven't been these kind of adjustments. You know, I watched so many games of the Cowboys last season, and you know, and and beyond that, and in in the summer one of the things I wanted to do was go back and look at what did the offense look like when he had Cooper rush playing quarterback? What did the offense look like when he had Andy Dalton playing quarterback? And it was a lot more simplified. It was a lot more like, let's just get our key playmakers, key touches. And that's what it feels like right now. It feels like he's just trying to get the offense going through Keenan. And, and I, I totally understand that. Um, but there's not been a lot of adjustments throughout the season. You know, I, I go back and watch the games with Cooper Rush, and there's a lot of six-man offensive line packages. There's a lot of three tight end looks. There's a lot of other things like that. Granted, he was able to run the football pretty effectively with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, and this team cannot run the football. Um, but him as a head coaching candidate, like I'm, like I'm not there. I, I think some desperate team, maybe like the Carolina Panthers, might make him a head coaching offer. We'll see. Um, but to me, I, I would like to see Kellen, you know, be the offensive coordinator with Justin uh, again and be able to try and get that chemistry going. Um, but as head coaching candidate, I'm just I'm not there for him right now. Yeah, I don't want to discount what happened the last two weeks where you did see Justin Herbert take more control of the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Start to see even more like an emotional side of Justin Herbert him running more. Obviously, we saw that tonight again, another great run from him. So th those things, the most important person is Justin Herbert. So if Kellen Moore is empowering Justin Herbert, you keep Kellen Moore around because that is that is your engine. 
So you get him to continue to develop and be the quarterback. But man, like I'm glad that he's maxing out the quarterback and Keenan, but everything else just is it honestly, needs some work for sure. It needs some work. I, I wish we had seen even seven games with Mike Williams and Josh Palmer just to see like, okay, what is the vision for this offense? And, and Corey Lindsley, obviously we didn't even get to see what the vision was almost right against Minnesota, 215 yards for Keenan, 150 yards for Mike Williams or whatever it was, you know, Josh yeah. Palmer catches the game winning touchdown, you know, it's just a, just a real bummer, but yeah, no, I, I Kellen Moore, I, I defend him of course the last couple of weeks because guys drop touchdown passes. That's not on you. What are you supposed to do? But this today was frustrating. And in these games against, you know, in, in the same sort of way, the defense is, struggles more when they're not playing Zach Wilson and they're not playing some of these other guys. Kellen Moore has now struggled to find the consistent answers when they're facing the Chiefs, when they're facing the Cowboys, when they're facing the Ravens. Yeah. And I don't know how it's going to go against Foxborough next week. Yeah. And for all of their issues, the Patriots still defensively are still, you know, hanging on there, not to the same level as they're used to, but. You know, when you're evaluating a guy like Kelmore from like a head coaching candidate perspective, like a lot of it is, okay, like how do you measure up against the top units, right? Like the, the whole thing that Mike McDonald is going to have as a head coaching candidate is look at what he has done to these high end quarterbacks and the, the Ravens did it against tonight. And they are a, a fantastic defense. You know, they're, they're trying out Calvin Noy and, and Jadavian Clowney as their top addressers. And they're still a top three unit in the league right now. Um, so Mike McDonald has that, you know, you look at, um, the edge that Steve Spagnuolo gives the chiefs right now, every time they play a top end quarterback, the chiefs make it so hard on them. And that's how the chiefs are winning games right now. Um, you know, Lou Anamoromo is having a bit of a tough year this season. Um, uh, but previously like what he did against the league quarterbacks is why he was earning such a, a, a following amongst, you know, Twitter people and why he was earning that kind of reputation was his work against top end quarterbacks. So Kellen right now, and what he's struggling with is, is these elite defenses are giving him a lot of problems because I think he's sticking to what he knows. He's sticking to what is comfortable and it's not working. So absolutely. Kellen Moore deserves blame for what is, what is happening right now. You know, you can put the fumbles aside here. It definitely is you know, mm -hmm. a, a struggle to get everything going like that. But Kellen has not adjusted his plan all that much outside of feed Keenan Allen as much as possible. And that's a big reason why you struggle against these defenses because, you know, you can take that away or you can take the other things away and it just makes things so difficult. So, you know, Kellen Moore definitely deserves criticism. I think Justin Herbert deserves a little bit of criticism, not a ton tonight, but um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I thought for the most part, Justin played pretty well, but you know, this is, it, it's frustrating to see again, defense plays well, offense struggles. It's been kind of the story of the Chargers season this year. I, in, in talking about this team's identity and the inability to, you know, step up in these moments, I just it's a comment from Brandon Staley in his press conference uh, This is from Alex. I haven't listened to the press conference. So if it's, if it's paraphrased the wrong way, I apologize. But from Alex, he says, Brandon Staley says he thinks his messaging is getting across to his team because they'd get, quote, blown out of the stadium, end quote, if it wasn't. And to me, that's just like, well, at least we're not losing badly. <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah. you we're still losing, like, but we're almost winning. Right. But you, you take on the identity of your, your, your coach. 
for better or worse sometimes. And it just feels like, you know, we just talked about this team not being able to come up in these situations for the defense to just ah, not quite, you know, do make that play. You know, the line, ah, I just can't protect it in this one moment. Ah, I just can't catch that football. When you hear messaging like that, and again, I want to say this acknowledging that I've not heard it in context in the press conference. But when you say that, well, you know, well, we didn't get blown out of the stadium. It, are we building a statue for that? <laughs> Is that going to be erected in the middle of Rivers Lake? You know, didn't get blown out of the stadium. Will I take a selfie with that that statue next time I'm at SoFi? It just, the Chargers are still the Chargers. And they are the team that we've always been rooting for, you know, more successful in some years than others and worse in some years than years like this. But yeah, it's, uh, it's frustrating. And we all, I don't know why 806 of you are here live right now at 920. I appreciate you, but um, yeah, I, I mostly at a loss for words and I have a slight sniffle. So yeah, that time of year. Um, yeah. I think most of the people in this chat obviously share the frustration. You know, this is the last year of, of Justin Herbert's cheap years. And, uh, you know, the team is four and seven. You know, we're talking about the season being over in November. And um, it's just really frustrating, man. And for whatever you think about the Chargers roster right now, I think the the hope in the offseason maybe wasn't necessarily that this team would be an elite team, but at least it would be a playoff team. And uh, yeah. right now they're they're out. Like I, I know technically speaking, they're not at zero percent, but this team is is done for the season, and it's just it's really frustrating. Uh, I watch a lot of these primetime games at my in laws' house, and the, my in laws always are like, "How are you a Chargers fan? Like, how do you put up with this?" <laughs> and it's just over and over again. The losses are all the same, man. And um, you know, there's there's some things that this team can like tweak and things like that. But, you know, a lot of the same issues have been the issue for the last three seasons. Mm-hmm. Let me, I uh, just wanted to pull up. We'll talk about this on the Chargers channel too, but just wanted to pull up the, the Chargers drafts. And, and I'm sorry, it's very tough for some of you to see this, but like, who are your building blocks? You didn't talk about the Chargers. Ooh, we're talking about that right now. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, we'll, we'll address it more, you know, on the Chargers channel, I believe. But just going through it, when the season basically ends, you're not looking ahead to the next one and trying to determine what is your building block moving forward that you feel any bit of confidence in. Yeah. I'd say two players in three classes. So you're talking about Thule and... Rashawn. Rashawn. Palmer, it depends how you feel about building block used there. I do believe he'll be a significant contributor. He looked good. Um, but in terms of draft class, you know, they felt like in 2022 they took more of projects, I think, because of their messaging this year when they said they took more of, you know, ready to go any of NFL players. <laughs> I mean, which is yeah. something. I, this ain't it, man. This group. I mean, you can obviously go back another class, but there are most of them are about to be free agents except for the quarterback. And I feel like that's a solid building block. <laughs> but um, I mean, Sorry, just going through the list. Comment. 
Oh. Uh, yeah. yeah, man. It's, uh, I mean, one of our biggest frustrations has always been like when they do get like solid players, they don't resign them. Right. You know, and, and some of that is going to continue this year. Like I think Alohi Gilman is, is objectively a solid player. I don't see him coming back. Like, you know, we'll see what happens in terms of everything. But, you know, I think objectively you look at this, like the last three draft classes, obviously we know that Justin Herbert is, is a building lock. He is the building lock. Um, but yeah, basically you have Rashawn and you have Thule. Um, maybe Josh Palmer. I mean, Asante has taken a pretty big step back this year. Um, people mm-hmm. last year were talking about him as the best cornerback on the team, but that was never really true in my opinion. Um, I guess he is now. I guess he is now. Um, maybe Zion turns it around. I don't know. It's a lot of maybes. Yeah. What are you drinking? People right are now? asking about the cream soda. So vanilla cream soda. There we go. I can't drink uh, alcohol. I'm allergic to it. I would pass out. Uh, because of the allergic part, not because of the <laughs> alcohol part. I gotcha. The, yeah. No, the one who drinks on the show is Alex. Yes. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's frustrating right now. Like, I think, you know, this, this like, you need to play Dan Henley. Like, you need to play these younger guys. Like, I'm glad yes. they're giving Dean Leonard a shot. Um, maybe he turns into something. You know, he had a good game against the Lions. Not so good game tonight. Um, again, granted, they are not doing him any favors schematically right now. Um, but all these young guys need time. Like, I, I don't really care that you don't trust Quentin Johnston. You have to play him. I'm <laughs> not you. watching the rest yes. of this season with Alex Erickson and the ghost of Jalen Guyton. You have to play Quentin. He needs the reps. You have to play Darius Davis. He needs the reps. You have to play Joshua Kelly. He needs the reps. You can't keep playing these older players. You're four and seven. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, you need to pivot to the young players. This needs yeah. to be, this needs to become young player time maybe jalen hawkins is something i don't know F- find out you, you have nothing to lose right now and it's just yeah. like i uh, like otito Gbonia, give him all the reps scott madlock give him the reps everybody who is young needs to play every single rep that they possibly can right now because that's where you're at right now you're four and seven you're last in the afc west i don't care about alex erickson all due respect to Alex Erickson. Like you gotta play your young guys. What do you say fuck me for? For <laughs> Alex Erickson's like, hey, what the hell, man? He had a good he had a nice catch tonight, man. But yeah, he did. You gotta play the young guys. Like, I'm sorry, there's no investment into Alex Erickson. Yeah, no, I, I understand. You're right though. You have no choice. Okay, let's 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 scroll through like the, the decisions, right? Okay, so let's let's not play isaiah spiller or elijah dotson congratulations your two other running backs had 3.2 and 2.7 yards per carry yeah and it sure felt like it It actually felt worse in my opinion i can't believe there are 3.2 yards per carry for eckler you know you're not playing quentin johnston granted the interview you were uh and erickson has 17 yards again all respect but you're you like your quarterback's not even on the same page with him twice. I can't yeah. believe they didn't call intentional grounding on either of those, given the ones we had saw the previous week with like the Bills and and those miscommunications leading to intentional grounding. Um, what else have we got here? I, I don't know how you play Otito more than although I don't know. I, I don't know, dude. They're not gonna play the younger guys, they're not going to. Other than the secondary, which is the only group they don't give a yeah. shit about. 
Like secondary, it's like, I don't care. New people every week. Who cares? And it's not working. But at least they're, you know, moving guys around. Otherwise, it's the same thing we always hear. Favoritism. Yeah. And listen, the guys that are paid mostly do play. Like, I, that's not unlike most teams in the NFL. But I don't see a path where they can, in any smart way to themselves, justify justify playing Deion Henley over Kenneth Murray or Eric Hendricks. First of all, I don't know which one you pick. Could be either. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I agree. Um, <laughs> and I respect what Kenneth Murray has done taking a step forward this season. But yeah, you do have to try to find out. Heck, I'm open to it. Like, I, honestly, I was open to Nick Neiman getting out there. It's not like it was bad when he was playing and uh, give yeah. him a shot. Yeah. You know, and if you get some plus in the past game, I. Or, you know, go get Drew, Drew Tranquil back, but that's a whole other topic. I, I don't know, man. They're not... I agree. We were going to talk on the Chargers show about if, they, if the Chargers lost, what do you do moving forward? But I I was sitting here staring at a, a blinking cursor because what am I supposed to say? Play Isaiah Spiller more? They're, sure, they're not playing him. Let's play... Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. Let's throw to Quentin Johnson occasionally. They're not doing it. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. Yeah, it's just... We're at that point right now. Like, I, I hate it. Like, I I covered the 2019 team. We covered the 2020 team. At least the 2020 team had the young guys. Like, it was fun to watch the young guys. Right now, it's just not fun to watch this team, like, objectively speaking. Um you have four players who are playing well. You have a bunch of other, other moving parts, coaching issues, things like that. Give me the player development stuff. I like, I just like, I need something to like latch onto right now. And uh, outside of those four guys, I'm just not sure what else there is. So um, yeah, you got to get some player development going, like just see what happens. You never know. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hey, Chargers fans. Make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day experience this Sunday. We all know how well football and pizza go together. It's just like Keenan and Allen, Justin Herbert on game day. Make sure you order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday, and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. My personal favorite is the pepperoni and green pepper combination with the dynamite crazy red with the dipping sauce. It's my favorite game day experience to go to for food on Sunday afternoons. Speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or in-store pizza porta pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during game day. Bolt up. Hey, it's Tyler from the Guilty as Charged podcast. I'm here to talk about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a skill-based, real-money daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? You pick two to six players, and if they will go more or less than their Prize Picks projection, watch your progress update in real time, win up to 25 times your entry amount, and cash out your winnings with quick scoring, settling, and withdrawals. Prize Picks offers frequent discounts, bonuses, and other exciting offers. Players can enjoy community-wide promotions, including weekly promotions like Taco Tuesday and Flex Friday. I've loved using Prize Picks so far. This week's I've got Justin Herbert with more than 284.5 passing yards and Keenan Allen with more than 82.5 receiving yards. To make your selections, go to prizepicks.com/guilty and use code guilty for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com/guilty and use code guilty for a first deposit match up to $100. Uh, should we get to some of these uh, super chats? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. I feel like we, right. get some we appreciate here. you guys. You Still, eight hundred yeah. people in here. We love you guys. Love the support. Paths. Thank you. I'll drink my cream soda to you. Yeah, I'll have some water. I can't have sugar like this late at night. I feel so old saying that, but like, uh, I I can't have sugar past like eight p.m. or I I like do not sleep. It just I don't know what it is. But anyways, I'm just trying to die early. So. <laughs> Uh, make the transition. He says it's late going to bed. All I'm going to say online has been a problem for over 10 years now. Uh, I mean, the last two years before this year, the offensive line was, was good. They were at least like borderline top 10. Um, they certainly have, have, uh, regressed in a bad way this year. So, you know, I, I think we'll see what happens with Corey Lindsley's health going forward, you know, but there's going to be, have to be some, some things figured out, and I think new offensive line coaching staff is is probably needed at this point as well. Yeah, I am. This is a different conversation, touchy conversation. The one I get this very the bar is easier when you have Justin Herbert, but the only coach Kellen Moore has been able to work with that he's worked with before is Doug Nussmeyer, and I yeah. do feel like Kellen Moore has taken a nice step forward. So I am curious what it would look what it would have looked like with the guys that he has worked with before yeah um but yeah it's it's a surprise and now the whole the duke many weather thing while i still believe that is the best training you're gonna get it no longer has the same shine right but again you look at all these offensive linemen they're all just taking a step back so like it's not duke's fault that zion is, is regressing this year they didn't yeah. work together. No. No. Um, yeah. 
Uh, Tara, appreciate Tara. She says, first off, thank you for being our therapist and thank you for all your hard work. Uh, you're welcome. We appreciate people like Tara supporting the show as always. Um, she says, second off, what is the bigger issue for the run game? Lack of OL protection or RBs aren't good enough. Uh, and then third, she says, bolt up. What do you make of the run game issues? We talked a lot about like tight end stuff and that yeah. was like the biggest issue in my opinion. I still think it's an issue, but what do you make of the way that they ran the football tonight? I, I don't know. I'll have to go back and look because I felt like even though I didn't love the results, I I, I kind of saw what they were going for a, a bit early on. I thought it was like, okay, Kelly for three, Eckler for two, but they were just kind of downhill. I'm like, okay, like I, I kind of get what you're trying to do. Let's not waste time. Let's go. Um, but I don't know, man. Those whole she, Tara's asking about offensive line protection, running backs. It's it's everything, man. It's the tight ends we knew that they needed that they tried to maybe look into, but they nothing materialized until it was too late. And then the one guy they finally added to the roster was Nick Bennett, who had a concussion. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like with the run game, the offensive line is the least of my issues. When I watch them in general, it's like, okay, one-to-one, I think it works out just fine. And frankly, I, I do think that is what Zion does better. And I think that Jenna's with Jamari does better and what Trey does better. So I don't know. It's, it was typically tight ends. And they just they just have no juice at running back right now. It's why that when they drafted Isaiah Spiller, and we heard it in the comment section, we were like, dude, they need to go get someone with any kind of juice. I wish they had gotten anybody with any kind of speed. Does yeah. that always translate? Not necessarily. Did I love Jerome Ford, the running back? No. But would that have <laughs> helped? Now, he... Any Cleveland back would have been successful. And so he's successful in Cleveland because they just have a scheme that's rock solid. Yeah. But they needed something like that. Heck, a Pierre Strong. I don't know. In that class, it could have had somebody else. Um, Rashad White. I, I don't think he's much of a, a runner, although I think he had 100 yards today. But as a receiver and in terms of like RAS, there's spark there. He has like 100 more yards over expected as a receiver than the next running back in like second place or whatever. Like that is missing in this group. They they need they need. Now again, I feel like you should lean into Joshua Kelly for some of those things because he's your most athletic back, and you know younger significantly, with less mileage than Austin Eckler. I don't know, man. They, they need to find some some youth and some dynamicness to their to their group here. Yeah, I think, you know, there's a, a general football conversation to be had here. Like a lot of people, whenever we talk about like Chargers running backs, like people still like will bring up like, oh, they need a bigger physical back. Like, I don't think that's a thing in today's NFL, to be honest with you. Like if you watch tonight's game, the Ravens have a very large back who weighs 238 pounds and a very small back who weighs 190 pounds. <laughs> One who weighs 190 pounds was gave them way more problems than the back who weighed 238 pounds. So, mm -hmm. like, to me, vision and explosiveness are the two most important attributes for running backs in today's NFL. You have to be able to create yards when your offensive line cannot create them for you, which is the majority of the league. Most of the league does not have the Eagles offensive line or the Chiefs offensive line or the Cowboys offensive line. Most of the league has a pretty average run blocking experience in front of them. So you have to be able to create yards after contact. You have to be able to create uh explosive opportunities when you have them you have to be able to make people miss those are the important things and right now that's 
that's not really Austin Eckler's game. I mean, we just talked about his run that went 13 miles per hour, which really was like the longest run of since like week one for him. Um, so like some of it is the run, the running backs. Some of it is the offensive line. Some of it is the scheme. Some of it's still a tight end play. Like the, the tight end play is still an issue. Like they're still asking Stone Smart to block. They're still asking Donald Parham to block. And those guys have struggled w- with that role. So it's a lot of everything. Like the the everything in the run game should probably have been revamped last year. Mm-hmm. And the thought process was, it's a scheme issue. Let's get Kellen Moore in here and everything will be fixed. And that hasn't happened. Like it, like the bones of it look good. Like I watched the tape and I'm like, Oh, like that looks good. If you have a better tight end here or like, Oh, that looks good. If yeah. Austin Eckler can make that one guy miss, but it's just, everything is kind of struggling right now, which is where we were at last year. It just looks cleaner now than in, under Joe Lombardi. Yeah. Still didn't expect it to be this bad though. Me neither. I mean, especially after like they were so good in the preseason, I was like, okay, like this is this is gonna be a legit yeah, thing this yeah. year. Like, mm-hmm. if you can get if you can get rushing yards like that in the preseason with your backups like Austin Pleasants and Foster Sorrell are out there, and Brendan Hymas is out there, like, okay, then with your starters, you should be good. And it just it hasn't come to fruition, and and you know, a lot of it is, you know, just blocking personnel, but it's not all of it. Some of it is scheme, some of it is the running backs and. It's, it's frustrating that this is still a problem. Well, you know, who wasn't playing in the preseason, and I thought I placed all the blame on him, but Austin Eckler was not playing in the preseason. It was your younger, I guess, I don't know if more explosive is the right way to say it when Spiller runs like a 4 or 5. But <laughs> well, he did have a 70-yarder called back, so who knows. Yeah. Let's see what Elijah Dotson has, man. Never know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick S. Cam has asked a lot more of his this line, and it exposed them. Struggles as a play caller have gotten worse as he continues to lose weapons. Do you agree with Nick S.? Um, has more of this line? I would. I, I think so. I feel like they're more on an island. Um, shoot, I had a point I wanted to make about the second part of it. I forgot what I was going to say. Steven, you go. Um, Kelmore does ask more of his offensive linemen. This is true. Uh, they do a lot more empty packages than uh, Joe Lombardi ever did. And that's a way that him and Justin Herbert have said that they like getting into these situations because it gives Justin Herbert the answers to mm-hmm. what the defense is doing faster. Um, but at the same time, like the players have their execution is also off. Like Trey Pipkins is having struggles that I didn't really see last year. And he was battling through like a sprained MCL for half the season. You know, Zion Johnson and Jamari are both kind of struggling with timing and launch points. And that, I mean, different positions, different spots, things like that. So, yes, they're asked to do more, but they're also just kind of struggling with the execution aspect of things, too. Um, I mean, Justin Matubike, like, ate Zion's lunch on two or three occasions tonight. And Matubike has 11 sacks right now. Like, he's a great player. But Mm -hmm. um, for somebody like Zion, who was drafted in the first round, like you expect him to be able to hold up against guys like Justin Matabike. That's why you draft him in the first round. Yeah, the, the part that's surprising to me for Zion too, one, the intelligence part, because he's a very smart person. We, we knew that heading into it. This guy was like the engineer. Yeah. You know, a very smart guy. And the other aspect is I'm just surprised how often he's losing just physically. For yeah. someone who is so athletic and was like he tested off the charts, you know, one of the most athletic players you could have taken in that entire class. 
And so to see him both not put it together mentally and then just not be able to just even just do the physical part sometimes is a surprise. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, I know like there's a lot of opinions about Zion out there and like what happened last season and what he's doing this season. I think the frustrating part for me is last year, a lot of the losses were what Jamari is kind of struggling with right now, which is the constant stream of like stunts and twists and things like that. You know, Zion last year was playing next to Trey, next to Storm, next to Foster. Corey was out for a little bit. There were a lot of moving parts. So like you can understand why Zion would kind of struggle with a lot of the communication aspects of things. This year, I don't feel like he's, I feel like he has that under wraps. Like him and Rashawn very rarely get beat on a stunt. You know, same thing with him and Will Clapp. I think him and Will Clapp have a pretty good, you know, working relationship. But a lot of Zion stuff has just been one-on-one stuff. And, yeah. you know, sure, like, again, Justin Matabike is a great player. You know, Chris Jones is a great player. Like, he's gone up against some great players. But, like, he's losing in ways he wasn't losing last year, which is mm-hmm. the concern for me. And so, again, he's somebody in the offseason. Like, he's going to have to get after it. And he's going to have to come back strong next year because – uh, I think it is fair to say that he has regressed. That doesn't mean you cut him. That doesn't mean he's a bum, but he's got to figure it out. And I think you can still get there, but it, it's tough right now. Yeah. Uh, Shun family showing out as always. Another offensive line question from your dad. Uh, how do they get the O-line to protect Herbert in the fourth so we can finally get a game-winning drive? I, I think like... At this point, I would probably just have one of the tight ends stay in and, and just have six-man protections going out as much as possible. Chip a, a defensive end. Like these are things that you just have to to keep in. Like I think having a tight end chip just allows you to keep everything kind of set. Yeah. But it's tough to it's third and eighteen or whatever that last play was. Like it's tough to have a chip in there. Like you, at some point, you sure. you got to trust your offensive line to to get it done. But um, again, this is an adjustment that I've been asking for for Kellen Moore is having more six-man protections, and it hasn't happened to this point. Yeah. I don't know. Do so I have to really watch now? I have to watch blocking? It's fun. It's the best kind of film. Not when it's bad. <laughs> Fair. Uh, Andrew Banky, why didn't we try to get Hunt? He was a free agent. Uh I think if you know much, kicked a woman in a hotel. Yes. That is not somebody the Chargers ever sign. Uh, Dane Cannon, I appreciate the super chat here. I I don't know enough about GM candidates right now. uh, And I think it's probably too early to say that right now. I told him to ask another one. So if you want to go with this one. Okay, cool, cool, cool uh listen man they're top 10 i want brock bowers on this team asap and frankly i would take him on the team right now like get him off of georgia get him on the chargers <laughs> uh and that's not just a tight end thing like it, it is a brock bowers thing like i think he could just be such a huge help for this team um the issue with like the top 10 right now is it's quarterbacks and offensive tackles and marvin harrison jr so I think Brock Bowers would be awesome. Uh, if you're talking about like pure position need, like for me, position need is cornerback, but I don't think there's a cornerback in the first round in the top 10 that merits that. So if you're in the top 10, go get Brock Bowers. If you're in the top 15, 
take a corner, get that spot right, because that's that's your long-term asset that you don't really have right now is you don't really have any quality long-term cornerbacks on the roster. Yeah, that's a tough one because do you take Bowers, who at that point is probably the best player available in terms of grade, or a corner? Jeez. So you either have a second now. You could do mercenary free agents, right? That that's not the worst thing. You know, Zont is one of your corners next year. Dean is your probably your third corner, and I guess Jock could potentially be your slot in year three. Um, I don't know, man. Yeah, in terms of pure position need, it's corner. Could okay, could I mean we'll see how the year ends. Did the Eagles, I can't believe I'm asking this question, after they took Rager, how long did it take them to then go get Smith? Oh, it was like the next year, if I'm not mistaken. That's kind of the point I'm getting at. You know what I mean? Uh, I asked it. I asked the evil question. Uh, Okay, so they took Jalen Rager in 2020, and they took Devontae Smith in 2021. Uh, well, we're currently headed towards that direction. But now, like last year, this draft class is probably very deep at receiver. It sounds like it's a very good receiver class. Every year. Which again, which again makes it spiffy that they took a receiver in round one this year. You don't have to take one in the first round this year. Probably not at nine. Well, I mean, like, you'll have Keener next year. You'll have Palmer next year. You'll have Quentin next year. They're not going to be high enough to take Marvin Harrison. I know that for a fact <laughs> because he is going top three, and the Chargers will not be taking. They'll, they'll, they will not be picking in the top three. I'm pretty confident about that. Um, Wait, hold on. Let me check. What is it? Okay, so Chicago at three wins is at fourth. Oh, well, sorry, their actual pick. Yeah, not the not the Carolina pick. Which, God, that couldn't have not gone worse for the. Yeah, imagine for the, the imagine being the Panthers right now. But, like, I'm pretty confident that the top four is going to be the Bears, courtesy of the Panthers, mm-hmm. the Giants, the Patriots, which is lovely that the the Patriots, after everything that they've been through, have <laughs> one bad season and they're going to get fucking Caleb Williams or Drake May. I love it. It's so cool. It's, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then fourth is probably the Bears again because of their own pick. It's going to be really tough for any team to get into the top four out of those teams. And then you also have the Cardinals, stuff like that. Um, if they took a receiver, I wouldn't hate that. Like, I think you you take chances and you and you throw more, more weapons at Justin Herbert when he's expensive. I think that's a sound, I think that's a sound philosophy. I personally would prefer Brock Bowers over any of the other receivers outside of Marvin Harrison. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't done like any draft grades right now, but I think Mark, I think Brock Bowers is, is like a generational weapon and getting that man next with Justin Herbert would be fantastic. So if that's the plan, great. If you're picking in the top 15, you probably go with the position value and take a corner. Yeah. And then at some point we do have to talk about center, but yeah. Which, if if they are, if they win some games and get into that late teens area, 
I'm just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the class, but if there's a Linderbaum, the same way the Ravens got him, about that same range, like I, I, I would understand. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it's a super strong center class. Like, of course, you can find one. Um, yeah, but it, 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 assuming Corey is not back, I think you're probably signing like a cheap veteran and and maybe taking like a third or fourth round pick on one and just kind of like seeing what happened. Similar vein to like what the Jets did this year with Joe Tipman and um, I forget who they actually signed. What was the center's name? I forget. The Jets. Yeah. Oh, geez. I don't remember. I, I think this. that I, from a center perspective, you could also get away with like a cheap veteran and bring back Will Clapp if you wanted to be the backup again. Like I do think Will Clapp has played pretty solidly, actually. Um, but yeah, I, I think for me, it's it's another weapon in the first round, or you're taking a corner because you don't have one right now. Yeah. Great. So I love that we're talking about draft stuff in November. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, uh, where what are the Chargers at right now? Did you They're look ninth. at that? They're ninth. Okay, mm-hmm. ninth is probably too far down to get Bowers, but this is a great offensive tackle class. You know, there's a few legitimately mm-hmm. like top tier offensive tackles. It sounds like um, you have the obviously the two quarterbacks, maybe a third quarterback kind of emerges right now, maybe fourth. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens, but. It does kind of seem like the Chargers are going to be kind of in that 10 to 14 range, if I had to guess right now, picks-wise. Yeah. Which is great. So much fun. All right, you guys. Sorry, I got one more. Why didn't they go for Bryce Collin once it was good and you need help in the secondary? I wish I could answer that question because Bryce would solve a lot of their issues right now. You mean good slot corner from last year? Should have been brought back to be good slot corner this year. I mean, look, maybe the whole freaking unit would have regressed, but especially when good slot corner is literally still available. <laughs> Trotting out East Saint Basie though, baby. Yeah, that was that was worth. What is the cost difference between Basie and Callahan at this point in terms of it's <laughs> for the rest neg- of the season <laughs> negligible? Yeah, yeah. I understand, like. I understand why you wouldn't want to bring him back if Asante was your answer at slot corner. Because that sure. was like the whole thing that they were like spinning in the offseason was that Asante was going to move to the slot. And then that didn't happen after one game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so after one game, when you're like, oh, Asante's on a slot corner, you should have went back to Bryce and be like, hey, let's go, come back. Yeah. I mean, you know, benefited the Ravens to have Clowney and Kyle Van Noy picked up in the middle of the season. Yeah. Oh my gosh. If this defense gets lit up by Max Mag by Mac Jones. Sorry, I clicked on the long one. Mac Jones 300 yard game. I don't know if it's gonna be him or Bailey Zappy. Mac Jones has been benched each of the last like three <laughs> weeks. But uh if this de- defense gives up 300 yards to either of the Patriots quarterbacks, we got some major problems. I don't think that'll happen. This this team will beat up on a bad Patriots offense. I agree. I agree. Mike Jones at 89 yards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That game next week, 
might be like again like 13 to 10 or something like that yeah that's that's cursed the game is cursed yeah all right tyler uh any final thoughts before we head out no man it's it's almost 10 o'clock thanksgiving breaks over season's over day's over so yeah back to back to school tomorrow for the both of us yeah which is i'm looking forward to i'm looking forward to much more than this game yeah yeah same all right you guys that's gonna do it for us tonight uh we appreciate all of you for tuning in i honestly uh, wasn't sure what to expect from uh tonight's turnout but uh it's been a lot of fun and the chat has been lively the super chats has been very much appreciated and uh we'll see what happens man we'll uh I might start watching some draft prospects this week. I don't know if I'll have time or not, but uh, we'll see what happens. So we'll be uh, on the Chargers channel on uh, Wednesday. Um, please tune into that. Uh, you know, we obviously appreciate all the support over there. And then Tyler and I will have our uh, regular shows on a regular schedule the rest of this week. I uh, will not be going on a cruise this time around. So we'll be back to normal from here on out. All right, guys. Appreciate you. Hope you have a great rest of your week. Hope you had a, a happy Thanksgiving and uh, we'll see you next time. As always, bolt up. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.